Hey everyone, Hello. welcome to At Home. Welcome. This has been a great Earth Month week. Earth Month week? Earth Month week, birthday month. Woo! Niner. Uh, this is a show where we chat with artists, artists experts, experts, you, dreamers, me, and doers. my husband. My husband. And uh, it's honestly just a way for us to dig deeper into our relationships with ourselves, with our community, and our planet, especially this month with our planet. Yeah, I mean, April is a great excuse to look at relook at the way we live and it's gonna be so fun it's gonna be a lot of fun a lot of science but a lot of fun no a lot of science and a lot of fun which makes it a lot of fun yeah we went to like a vintage market kind of a thing which mm-hmm. was cool outside in the garden it was very nice cute and quaint old stuff you found some cute dresses mm, yeah, it, was a, it was gorgeous <laughs> best dresses i've ever tried on uh we did a little walk we got some ice cream the weather has been so great that's it's so nice to get outside Ex- when it's like this excuse me you just like interrupted my ice cream oh, sorry. daydream sorry. uh dolly parton ice cream dolly parton ice cream ridiculous yeah I can have that ice cream nine to five. Who and five knew, to nine. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well done. Who knew that I could like Dolly Parton more? But she has delicious ice cream. She always delivers. Mm-hmm. Well, that's about it. It's it's been sort of in the flow of things, and you know, a bit of family time. I'm, I'm still enjoying, even though we're not getting to see our family face to face. It's nice to have the regular Zoom conversations with them. Yeah. Soon. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Soon, Soon we'll be face to face. Are we threatening them be with ready. that? Be ready, family. We're coming to see you. I, I don't think we'll be able to like fully hug people right away. Like I'm personally, I'm still going to keep distances. This is the thing with Linda. She will keep her distance now, but when she is ready to give you that, I'm gonna I love you, you hug, so it's going to be so hard and awkward and she won't let go. It'll last for like <laughs> half an hour and you're going to be walking around with her dragging off your ankle. That's what it's going to be like. So be ready, family. Family, mm-hmm. stranger. Mm-hmm. Tree. Any anything. Anyone that'll give her attention. Anything so she can that spread moves. Love. I'm gonna hug. I'm gonna hug you. Focus. <laughs> Focus, Linda. I want to talk about this month on At Home. This month is all about conversations about the planet, Mama Earth. The big home. The biggest the home. Big shared home. All of us in this one home together. That is what we're talking about all month. And this month we are super excited to partner with the amazing organization, EMA, Environmental Media Association. The Environmental Media Association is an organization connecting the entertainment world with the latest and most crucial issues affecting our planet. They've been doing this for over 30 years. Mm-hmm. And we're super happy to be board members um, and join EMA on their mission to provide a unified voice for Mother Earth through entertainment and storytelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, during the pandemic last spring, we felt there was a need to keep communicating, to keep telling hopeful stories, because that is what we do. And that is how a new program was born. Which is Emma Talks. Mm-hmm. Emma Talks is a conversation program at the intersection of arts and sciences, where entertainers and creatives chat with wildly talented experts in all sorts of topics dedicated to saving Mother Earth. I mean, it's a perfect marriage. It really is. And these conversations is really great because it's in-depth conversation with scientists, doctors, innovators, and remarkable people that are doing so, so many important things to help sustain our Earth. This is actually our third Emma Talks as hosts. Um, We love the program so much that, as we said, we're teaming up with Emma throughout the entire Earth Month. Uh, and you can also hear these episodes on greenforemma.org and across all of Emma and at home social channels. Well, we also, in this episode, get to chat with the one and only talented, multi hyphenated entertainer, entrepreneur, host, producer, go and, on, go on, go on. And co chair of the Emma Board of Directors. Yes. And should we just get into it and say, hi, hi, hi? It's. Well, very well done. I've, I've been waiting just to use that. I'm sorry, Lance. <laughs> it's our good friend, Lance Bass. And I apologize, Lance, for that. I'm sorry. Here we go. <laughs> okay, if ADT wasn't professional enough, now ADT installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. I mean, what are they going to do next? They're, they're going to start a country singing career. I would listen to a country band named ADT. 
Also, I like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with my Google Nest doorbell. Just saying. Your Google Nest doorbell? I said our. He said my. Everybody check that. Yeah. All right. Well, I like to control my ADT smart devices like my lights, my locks. (laughs) My security system with Google Nest speakers and displays. And I like to say, hey, Google, to get started. Listen, I said ours. I'm all about ours, not mine. (laughs) Help protect what matters most with all this, plus 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer. First off... um, First off, nice hair. Are you feeling blue? (laughs) I'm feeling real blue, guys. (laughs) When did you get that done? Yeah, this was this was kind of um, a mistake. I was down in we we spend half the time in Miami these days, so we were in Miami, and all this you know, there's no salon open right now. Well, there are, but I wouldn't go to a salon uh, because of COVID. So I'm like, all right, my root was this thick, and I had like these crazy frosted tips. I'm like, I have to do something about this. Um, so I thought I could put my own uh, blonde highlights in. No, I can't. It was horrible. <laughs> it looked like a calico cat. And uh, so I had to go. I just went to the, the grocery store and grabbed a blue dye just to cover it all up. So this was a happy mistake. So basically, <laughs> from the, the, the frosted tips and the in-sync days, mm-hmm. you've gone back and it didn't work out on your own. So you've, you've gone to the blue. But it matches your now shirt. It's so it looks amazing. it's a frosty blue and I love yeah. it. Yeah. You know, it's like, look, I'm going to be going silver at some point. So I uh, might as well, you know, beat it. I'm already there. I'm hiding. Yeah. It. I'm covering my grays. I found four grays over um, pandemic here. Oh uh, yeah, it's funny. My husband, who's only 34, he's starting to get the silver on the side, which I think looks awesome. But uh, yeah, I'll never know if I'm gray because I will always be bleaching my hair. <laughs> there you go. You know, the grays yeah. are just—it's experience. It's not getting old. It's just—it's—it's yeah. it's wisdom. Strands in my of hair. wisdom. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well. We want to start off by digging into your childhood and, and life for you growing up and get a bit of a better understanding of who Lance is. Yeah, I mean, I am. A, I had a, an interesting upbringing. You know, I, I was happy with the place that I was born. Um, I actually grew up in a place called Ellisville, Mississippi, uh, right in you know the middle of the country, uh, well, the, the country country. Um, and I, I usually have to say that I'm from Laurel because I was actually born in Laurel because we had no hospital in our town. Uh, so that's usually what people um, uh, will know the, the town from. I don't know if you watch the show uh, Hometown yeah, uh, on HGTV. Yeah, that's that's my hometown. My I love that hometown. show. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was, you know, one of those amazing places to grow up because it felt so safe. Um, as a privileged person, it was <laughs> safe to, to, to grow mm. up in. Um, you never locked your doors, you know, you knew every single person in your town of 2000. Um, so I, I had a very happy and, uh, uh, just safe childhood. I felt, do you know Ben and Aaron from hometown? Uh, I, I have, I've talked to them, uh, through social media, but I have not met them in person yet. Every time I go back to visit the grandparents, uh, they're either out of town or either I have like 10 minutes to see my grandparents and head to new Orleans. So we have not met up yet. They are the sweetest so people, sweet. yeah. but Ben keeps threatening to beat me on the court in basketball. And uh, yeah. He's he's built like a beast. Like he's he's taller than me, and he's got more muscle than me. And but mm-hmm. I still think I can take him. I can take yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, he's a linebacker for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so growing up though in Mississippi, was green lifestyle a thing at all? Not that I knew of. Uh, you know, I never really even knew. Um, what the you know planet was dealing with when I was a kid. Uh, I didn't know any kind of green measures people were taking. I didn't know that it was a problem. Uh, the only thing I remember, especially in the eighties, was when there was you know the the hole in the ozone layer. That was mm-hmm. the first time that I kind of realized, oh, we you know we're we're hurting this planet and and we can actually change it. Uh, and it's insane that it was only forty years ago and. The whole world came together to fix this one environmental issue, and it worked. We did it. We all came together. We weren't fighting about it. We all agreed that this was a problem and it needs to be fixed. Now we're in an age where people don't believe that this is real, and they're going to fight tooth and nail to prove that you know that climate change is a hoax. Um, it's just it's sad 
where we've gotten uh, in, in our history right now. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me either. I mean, it's arguing scientific facts. Uh, exactly, and, and, and I'm, a, I'm a science guy. You know, I'm a math and science guy. Science is factual, and I am always going to listen to the experts and scientists over anyone else that uh, thinks they know what they're talking about. So, so when was that? Was that the moment when, when you were young and you learned about the hole in the ozone layer? Was that that moment you realized that you wanted to live a greener life? Or when was that moment? <laughs> No, it definitely wasn't. I mean, as a kid, I was completely selfish. Uh, you know, I never even thought, I knew that the ozone layer thing was happening and it was great that we all came together because, uh, you know, growing up in the church, it was all about, you know, taking care of yourself, taking care of others, taking care of mm-hmm. the planet. But they didn't really tell you how to take care of the planet. <laughs> we just yeah. knew that, you know, God made this earth, so we need to protect it, right? But we were never given any lessons of how, what we're doing to destroy the planet and how we can help. Uh, we just know the big picture of we need to be good. Um, so, you know, I was just very selfish thinking that, well, because I was, you know, very heavily involved in my church, we were doing good things, that that was good enough. Um, mm-hmm. And it really wasn't until uh, I moved away from that little town uh, up up north to the city, um, which was another little <laughs> suburb. <laughs> the, the, uh, the city is going from 2,000 people in your town like to 5,000. 5, yeah, Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Uh, but when I went up there, uh, they had just, uh, started the recycling program with, you know, the bins. And that was when I first learned what recycling was and how important Mm -hmm. that was. And that's what really started me, uh, you know, bringing in those daily habits, uh, in my life. That was the first daily habit of mine is to recycle everything I possibly could. It became like a game of mine at 10 years old to see, Mm -hmm. you know, how much paper I could collect, how much plastic I collect. Um, and I even knew then that, which is very important, people that are recycling, make sure you clean all your stuff out. Like, don't don't put the plastic in the bin with all the food on it, because sometimes that will never uh, get recycled. So you know, mm-hmm. you, you have to do your part and go a little a little further. Yeah, and, and so with um, Emma, I mean, I heard you know, twelve years ago, you were at the Emma Young Hollywood dinner party, and you had this <laughs> enlightened ah. moment. <laughs> Tell us about it. I did. Uh, it, it wasn't until then. I, you know, within Sync, we always did so much charity, right? And and I feel like when you're in a group like that, you're kind of spread very thin. Um, and we didn't really get to choose the cause that we cared about the most because we were we had our hands in so many different causes, thinking that we mm-hmm. could just help as many people as possible. But I didn't really get to get to know the cause that well. Uh, you know, I I was always loved, you know, you know, the idea of being green, but I wasn't really implementing it in my life. Uh, so it wasn't until that Emma dinner that I know, and I saw, you know, the videos that they showed and showed the impact that we were making on this planet. Um, and if we don't change things right now, it's just going to get worse and worse. Uh, that, that scared me. It really did. I was just, uh, it, it was the first time it snapped to me saying, Oh my gosh, we can't be selfish anymore. Like we have to take care of this planet. It's just not going to take care of itself. Um, Mm. so that really, you know, changed my mind about how I wanted to, uh, you know, tackle this issue and just get more involved. Um, Mm. and that environment became my cause that that became my number one cause, uh, to really try to help with. Now we've known you for a few years. And so for anybody who doesn't know Lance, to me, you seem like the kind of person like, okay, I'm into something. I'm passionate about something. You are all in. So you don't just start to support Emma. You're now a co-chair uh, yeah. uh, at Emma, which is pretty <laughs> amazing. You're basically you're like, all right, I'm leading the charge of exactly what I want to be a big part of my life. So tell mm-hmm. us about that journey from that first moment where you felt enlightened. Um, you were scared of, of what the outcome would be if things didn't change. And then now you're leading the charge uh, with Emma. Yeah. That's why places like Emma are great for great resources because Mm -hmm. you're not supposed to know everything. You're not supposed to be an expert on everything. But if you trust certain people and trust certain organizations to give you the information you need, uh, they're really great examples for you and you just follow their lead. I think it's very important when, you know, when you're given a platform uh, like I've gotten, uh, I'm very blessed to have that. And I think there's a responsibility that comes with that. Um, And I believe that you need to, you know, with the, whoever you're talking, your fans or whoever's actually listening to you, uh, it's, it's, it's your responsibility to help uh, educate them about some of these main issues because 
again, they don't have the time to research everything. They look to other mm-hmm. people to give them, you know, their, their morals and information a lot of the times. And I want to be, you know, uh, someone with high morals, especially when it comes to environment, um, so that I can influence other people out there. I would hate to know that I was negatively impacting this world mm-hmm. in any way. How did your family react to you becoming a green activist? Is there any pushback or was it? It's funny because, you know, and I find this uh, with all my friends and family in Mississippi, uh, you know, uh, when you don't know, you don't know uh, about things. So when they see me being an activist for many things, environment, LGBT issues, like whatever, I, again, I have this platform and I, 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 I like to fight. I like to fight for good. And my family uh, is not like that at all. They're very reserved. They, there's no way they would ever uh, go march for anything. It's just they, they, they don't think that, uh, that they could impact anyone. They don't know mm. that their power at all. Even being in a mm. small town, they don't know their power. So when they see me doing things like Emma uh, or any LGBT things, you know, they accept it and they love that I'm doing it and they're proud of me for doing that. But they also uh, they don't celebrate it at all. Mm. You know, I, I feel like there's a lot of times where there's a lot of eye rolls, like, Oh God, of course. Um, <laughs> and you know, and coming from a place like Mississippi, you know, the eye rolls are, uh, coming in a lot because they just, they think that what you're fighting for isn't worth fighting for. And they think mm. that you're stupid, you know, or, or that you're just lying about it, that you're falling for this hoax. So it is, it's pretty frustrating <laughs> when you're, that's, I mean, I, I grew up in a smaller town as well. And, and I mean, I've seen that same sort of, uh, you know, if I'm trying to um, do what's right and do what's positive, mm-hmm. you know, people deserve mm-hmm. to, you know, yeah. be happy in their life and they deserve love and with the planet, yeah. we, we deserve to live in a healthy planet. And I get eye rolls. How do we change people's minds? How, especially yeah. when, when you can't even change the minds of your family or have them yeah. support a cause. I feel like that's the hardest part. <laughs> yeah, it's got to impact their life. You know, uh, the reason that people are so against, you know, when I go back home to Mississippi, it's all about pride. They're so proud of who they are and where they're from and what they're doing. You know, if they're in farming, um, you know, they're, they're so proud of, you know, their past generations that led them there and they still have this farm that, anyone telling them, well, you need to start doing this and you start preaching to them, they're going to just right. really push that. Like, no, you're not telling me what to do. You know, this is my business. I mean, you, you, even like, you know, in the coal industry, you know, we know mm-hmm. that's an industry that is, you know, going to be phased out. It just, it, it has to be. Um, but the people still fighting, you know, for those coal mines, and it's just, it, it doesn't make mm-hmm. sense to me. Uh, and I know like, well, we're losing jobs. Well, we're creating more jobs. Again, it's not we're taking everything away tomorrow. It's a phase out situation. And uh, and you can't really explain that to people. They, they immediately jump to the fact like, you're not taking anything away from me. But it's also, it's not a phase out in the sense that you're done. Your family, your mm-hmm. livelihood... If you had a, a a life in coal, you're done. That's not mm-hmm. like the plan is not that. The plan is to re-educate them in different roles and different positions where they can take on renewable jobs and continue yeah, to thrive, but thrive in a way that's not killing the planet. We we came across this quite a bit with our doc power trip, and Jonathan was traveling mm-hmm. around the country interviewing, and he was talking to some people in the coal mines. And even though this one gentleman he was talking to, his all of his family, uh, you know, or not all of them, but a lot of his family had cancer. A lot of people that were his friends and family had died because of working in the mm-hmm. coal mines. Yeah. And he said, and and he said to Jonathan, if the coal mine was reopened, he'd put his kids in there to work. Yeah, exactly. The fellow passed away a month later from cancer. Yeah, from it's a pride mines. thing. It's a complete yeah. pride thing, especially when you have generations of family that have done that. You're mm-hmm. you're happy to follow in those footsteps. Um, so, in order to change people's minds, you have to make it affect their lives. You have to show them that, wow, you're going to save money here or you're going to make money here or look how many jobs are open because of this green technology. I mean, going back to the coal mines, they just reclaiming some of these mines. Look how many jobs are going to open up just trying to reclaim these mines and, you know, and mm. fixing, you know, the, yeah. the horrible things that we've done the last, you know, hundred years. Um, mm. So, I mean, there's, it, there's going to be tons and tons and tons of jobs still available in that industry. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about some of the things that you're working with um, with Emma, like some initiatives mm-hmm. or programs that you're working on now? Yeah, uh, one of my favorites is you know I uh, uh, I help with the the school programs. So we we plant gardens in in schools that um, kids would never be able to touch the soil ever. You know they would they wouldn't even think about planting anything. So bringing these into some uh, inner city type schools. Um, 
and, and seeing these kids learn about not only growing, but what you're growing, what it does to your body. It makes mm-hmm. them eat healthier. It makes them talk to their family members about it. And, I, and it just starts this kind of ball rolling of the way that we look at our food uh, and our soil. Um, so, and you know, you, you put an impression like that in a kid's head, hopefully, you know, it lasts forever and they, they spread the wealth of knowledge. And I love that idea of planting something small, even with family. If you have family that, you know, they're stuck in their ways and they're proud because of how they, they've been raised. We have farmers in our family too. And, but to give mm-hmm. a small idea where they can start to think of how that could change and become a great thing. And that can grow. I think that's a better way of doing it, especially young, inspiring kids, young so mm-hmm. to make that change instead of trying to force a new agenda on somebody, even if it is a good initiative. That's true. You know, one of the things that I try to teach people is, you know, researching that company that you're going to buy a product from, you know, reading the labels. Um, and it, it is, it's, it's difficult to get into that habit and, and even care like, okay, do I really care that there's palm oil in this? Well, you should care that there's palm oil in there. Why should I care about that? And explaining them, you know, about how, you know, we harvest, you know, the palm oil, it really, it finally dawns on them like, oh crap, we shouldn't be doing that. And it's so easy to find in this day and age, it's so easy to find alternative everything for anything. Um, so it's not, you know, growing up, you know, in the eighties, I'm, I'm sure there were certain, you know, if, if someone's gonna make a dish, like you had to use this certain something because I'm sorry, mm-hmm. it's the only thing that tastes good, right? Well, now we have everything um, yeah. that you can choose from. So there's really no excuse to not uh, find the best products that are, as carbon neutral as possible and what really doesn't harm this planet. I, I think one thing that, that I've seen in the past too, because we we are very conscious, you know, we use a refillery instead of single use plastics and tossing mm-hmm. bottles and getting new cleaning products or hygiene products. We're trying to do so many things, but every now and then I'll come across something that I'm like, oh, I thought this product was actually a, health, a good product for the planet and for us, and it wasn't. Um, and I think there is some misinformation, some strategic marketing for certain brands that will make it look like it's a better product or a greener product than it is. So oh, yeah. it's like you said, it's a matter of weaving through what's good and bad. And also the one thing I have found, it's a little frustrating at times when you have a, a green product you're using, you're trying to use an eco-friendly product. And in reality, it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. It's eco-friendly, but it's not actually cleaning the way you need to clean. So I think yeah. that's something maybe we should, we'll share a link to some, some products that we like as well. I would love that too, because I'm talking to, uh, you know, we're, I have a restaurant in Los Angeles and now we're opening up a club. And one of the things that I really want to try to implement is the cleaning supplies. You know, um, I want to try to make it as eco-friendly as possible, but I don't know the rules and regulations for business cleaning supplies. Mm-hmm. Like, are there, are there eco-friendly products that are industrial strength, mm. uh, right. you know, cleaning supplies because, you know, the health department will be all over me, you know, if yes. I'm not perfect with that. What's your restaurant called? Uh, it's called Rocco's WeHo in uh, West Hollywood. And the club? The club will be right across the street. Um, oh. We just, uh, we signed a lease last week and we started construction. It's, it's the old, there's a big dance club uh, for the last 30 years in West Hollywood called Rage. It was actually the first like nightclub I went to <laughs> when I came to Los <laughs> Angeles years ago. Um, and because of the pandemic, unfortunately, it closed and many, many businesses on Santa Monica mm-hmm. Boulevard have closed. Um, and we just wanted to make sure that uh, this club stayed uh, for the WeHo community and not mm-hmm. uh, turned into some like SBE straight club. So we're turned into a big gay nightclub that's going to be like a discotheque, just fun place to... That's amazing. Because back back in my day, when we would go out to clubs, you would get on the dance floor for two hours to just dance all night yeah. long. People don't really do that anymore. So I want to bring that back. And now that we're yeah. entering this roaring 20s again, now's the time to do it. So tell me this, back up a little bit. We've all made mistakes and bad, bad eco-conscious decisions. Um, what is something, uh, a habit that you had years back that was a very unhealthy um, uh, habit for the environment? Yeah. I mean, single-use plastics. And it's still such a problem, especially now with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So much more single-use plastic is going around yeah. and it just, it kills me. Um, you know, when I, when I go to, you know, the set and everyone's drinking bottles of water. I'm like, Oh no, but they're like, well, we can't do the, you know, the filtered water anymore. And because we can't touch it. And you know, it's just like, it's such an issue right now. So it just, mm-hmm. it really is a bummer. And, you know, we'll get back to those great green checklist type things for our sets uh, after this pandemic is over. But 
Mm-hmm. It's really sad looking at that. And even, you know, if I go to Starbucks, right, and I get my little egg white bites, you know, which is so great because they come in paper, right? And it's all recyclable, except they always put a damn plastic fork that's wrapped in plastic in it, even though I always say like no plat, no fork, but they constantly just shove those in every single time. And so I just have mm-hmm. a collection of these, <laughs> these forks that I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to reuse these somehow. We got to repurpose mm-hmm. these, but it's, it's just incredible how, uh, you know, companies like that still don't make the effort to make sure that, you know, you cut that back. They're very wasteful still. We, yeah, we had a, a place that, you know, we like, they have these bamboo bowls or, or compostable bowls that they use, but then mm-hmm. they still have a plastic top in it so that you can see the product. And so it, it'd be nice to see if they can move mm-hmm. towards a space where it's, it's completely uh, biodegradable or, or another option. The one yeah. thing that doesn't work though is unfortunately it was an acai bowl. And so the, the plastic top was holding the shape of it in the bottom bowl after about 25 minutes, it started to lose its shape and it was floppy from the, the moisture. And so in the car, the bowl actually just flopped open <laughs> and then there was purple acai berry all over the carpet. <laughs> so we're still trying to find ways to make it work. Yeah, but you know, that's what's so fun about green innovation is figuring mm-hmm. this out. You know, Uber Eats, uh, all these delivery systems, they need to own their own eco-friendly packaging, right? I mean, every single thing that you order from every restaurant should come in the same type of eco-friendly packaging yeah. that works, that doesn't you know fall apart, doesn't leak everywhere. That's doable. We, we can do that. Um, speaking of innovation, though, tell us about your fascination with space. <laughs> I've always been a, um, a space freak, and it's, it's thanks to my grandfather. Uh, my granddaddy loved... Uh, anything space related. I mean, he was, he was in world war two and he was in the Navy. Um, and so he just loves, uh, you know, anything exploration. Um, and that's where I got it from. So, uh, my first launch I went to, uh, down in Florida, uh, my grandfather, myself, my dad drove down to visit my grandfather's brother, who was a big fighter pilot who lived right there at Merritt Island, uh, where the shuttles, you know, take off. So he took me to my first launch and watching that shuttle launch, changed my life. I, I just thought, oh my gosh, one, I want to be on there. Um, I love the idea of discovery and exploration. And it really, it really started my journey into adventure. Um, and so I always knew from that moment, I mean, I think I was 11 years old, maybe younger than that. Yeah, well, I was eight years old, I think. And uh, I knew then, you know, I had, I had my goal in life. I knew I wanted to be an astronaut. Uh, I knew, or, you know, and in order to become an astronaut, I knew I had to probably become a space engineer first and work my way up, you know, so I had like this plan of how I was going to become an astronaut so I could, you know, (laughs) shoot up to space and do experiments and explore. And, you know, it was just, it just intrigued me so much. ADT now professionally installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security. Help protect what matters most with 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google. You said that very professionally. I try. (laughs) Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help you make your home smarter and safer. Well, you got pretty close, right? You were certified by NASA and the Russian mm-hmm. Space Program. Yeah. And you were ready to go <laughs> yeah. on the ISS? I'm still ready. Oh, yeah. It was, you know, as as great as the, the training was, you know, I spent I spent six months over in Svezdonegorodok, uh, which is their kind of Area 51 in Russia. It's their military base. And it's the Gagarin, um, Yuri Gagarin Center. So I lived there for six months and did a... Usually it's like a four-year program to get certified to go to space, but they condensed mine into six months. So it was <laughs> every day oh for gosh. hours. It, it was it was just too intense. But well, I did on. realize. Wait, 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 wait! You're you're like you're cruising past this. Like it's you know I just went to the gym and the, the trainer worked <laughs> out with me for an extra couple hours. How the hell do you get the Russian space program to give you a the training? Course. And how do you get them to do it in six months? I want some of this. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's called money. Uh, you know, it wasn't my money, but money talks there in Russia. This is how it all started. It was so random because I was 23 years old. I think I was 23, uh, somewhere around there. And um, they were, 
like they were starting to do the the first uh, tourism trips to uh, mm-hmm. to space, and so Russia was starting to do these missions where you know you go there, you train for you know a year, two years, and you could just go as a tourist on the Soyuz. Um, and so there was a company um, that wanted to send me or someone to space because they wanted to find someone young to motivate a, the young generation to get into math and science and space. Uh, so they were in an AOL chat room. That's how long ago it oh was, an gosh. AOL chat room. <laughs> and uh, and they were asking just kids out there, they're like, hey, is there a celebrity that you would like to see to go to space? And everyone commented Lance Bass because oh he wanted gosh. to be an astronaut, you know, <laughs> as a kid. And that was the reason they called me and said, hey, we have this mission that we're putting together and we want to focus on the youngest person ever to go to space. So it really motivates this young generation to care about space and exploration and innovation. So did you actually go? You actually, at the end of the program, you went to space? No, no. no. A week before my launch. This was this was the sad part. Because um, I was there with... Uh, Originally CBS, it was Les Moonves who sent me over there at the beginning because I was going to host a game show where the winner goes to space. And they wanted the host to have gone already. So you know Mm. this is what you're going to get into. So it just made sense. Uh, Then I found out that that was not the plan anymore. And they had me. (laughs) It was a really... There's a lot of layers to this, but I'll skip through like the crazy stuff. Uh, but then in the end, basically it turned into an MTV documentary on following the youngest person in space. Uh, and a week before my launch, um, the production forgot to take out insurance on me, which, you know, oh, no. any actor in a, you have to have insurance or you can't get funded. Uh, cause they didn't realize that no insurance company covers astronauts. Like it's, it's not a thing. Um, so because they couldn't get insurance on me, I couldn't fly. So oh. before my launch, it got oh scrapped. My gosh. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But wow. I, I, all my, my clothes are still up there. I had, uh, you know, I have all these experiments I was doing. I was actually doing some blood work studies with my commander. And also uh, I was in charge of some environmental studies of the Delta region uh, oh uh, for pollution and, and how climate change is, is, you know, affecting the Delta uh, there in America. So all my experiments or, you know, went ahead of me. So they're there in all my clothes. Uh, and one of my friends, uh, Ed Lou, who is an astronaut who ended up spending six months on the ISS, uh, right after, you know, I was going to be up there, found my spacesuit <laughs> and he ripped my name tag off and floated it in front of earth and took a picture. And he's like, Aww. look what I found. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> which, which was a nice amazing. little dig. He's like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, but uh, I was just yeah. going to say, if I ever get up there, we have a, a friend of ours is an astronaut. Oh, we- commander Chris Cassidy. And, okay. yeah. and, and so he's, he's sends, he'll send us like emails and he'll send photos and it's so the planet is so beautiful from his point of view and his perspective. But I was also thinking if we ever get up there, I'll try and track down your stuff and then I'll just be wearing your outfit. <laughs> well, I'm sure they've already purged it into like the atmosphere <laughs> now. So it's all burnt up, I'm sure. Uh, but, you know, the good news is, and I've been talking a lot because, you know, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur and I love uh, looking at all these new fun companies, uh, especially when it's revolved around space. There's some really great stuff happening right now where we will have the opportunity to go to space in our lifetime. And, and, and in a nice way, not just get on a really uncomfortable Soyuz and going to live on a packed ISS for, you know, two weeks uh, where it smells really bad and just really... Well, also, they a, told us, too, they're cramped into their little shuttle area, like legs up like this for 10 hours or more where you don't move, you can't move. They strap like a little like self-made mm-hmm. toilet thing on you or a diaper and you're done. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that yeah. doesn't sound as exciting, but it, it one is, day. It, you know, it's crazy because we, we had to do so many mock missions. So yes, we'd be in the, the simulator and yeah, people don't understand because the shuttle, shuttle's an easy ride, but on the soy is, yes, your knees are here. And you're oh, there you're for flexible. hours. Oh, yeah, not even. <laughs> I wish. And then you have bundles here. And then you have like a stick that you're pushing because, you know, I had to control the oxygen, you know, and all that type of stuff. So like you have to hit certain things at certain times. After two hours, all of this is dead. Like you don't oh feel a thing. So you're just completely numb. Uh, just one of the most uncomfortable things you'll ever do. Anyone, anyone and, listening that couldn't see what Lance was doing there, he basically folded himself into a pretzel. <laughs> uh, 
anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You you get to know your crew very, uh, very well because Intimately. a lot of yeah. because people forget, you know, on the way to the ISS, it takes two days, and you're in this little bitty, little bitty circle for with your two guys, and yeah. there's no bathroom, so you know you have to you have to hold the funnel for them. So you really get to know yeah. your crew. <laughs> yeah. Hold my funnel so. for me. Oh, yeah. man. Uh, uh, well, I think that's a good segue into hope. Yeah. You know, uh, all of the space exploration, it is, it is a great sign of hope because there, you know, ev- anything is possible. And with this new generation coming up at a time when climate change is in full force, you know, species going ex- extinct, rising temperatures, sea levels, list can go on. How do you maintain hope and where do you find hope? Uh, I find hope in this young generation, really. Um, You know, I think all the young generations always get made fun of by us older people, you know, but if you really look at this generation, they're, they're so aware of what is Mm -hmm. happening in the world and what needs to happen. And they, they grew up being born into having to care about the planet and being told that it's dying and you're the ones that are going to suffer. <laughs> um, mm. So they're motivated to make change. And so you're seeing, you know, all these incredible activists come out of, you know, at 12 years old uh, and just the messages that they bring is just so inspiring. Um, and I just, I really have hope that they're going to really figure out how to do this. Um, and, you know, hope this can help them. Um, it's kind of at the point now where it's almost a point of no return on a lot of the climate change issues. Um, but if anyone can figure it out, it's going to be this new generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think one thing that always impresses me, like you look at little kids or toddlers, they don't have these, they don't overthink what's going through their brain. They just sort of say what they, what they say. And there's an mm-hmm. honesty and an earn, there's, there's an honest, earnest way about them. And then you think like, wow, it's so easy for them. They, they don't filter. They don't overthink. They just... Mm-hmm are what who they are. Yeah. And, yeah. But then you think of all these young activists that are coming out and they speak out in a way that seems so simple sometimes. And I think an older generations will look at them and think, come on, you don't know the real world. You don't know whatever it is. I'm like, no, they actually do know the real world. It's just that they have that that sort of childlike um, wonder and passion that we are all suppressing. Um, and so it's really inspiring to see how yeah. many young kids are activists and speaking up. It's a beautiful innocence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are there some specific um, positive things that you've seen recently? Um, I've the great thing about being an entrepreneur these days is I get I get to see a bunch of startups, uh, you know, happening. And I have a new TV show coming out next month called Unicorn Hunters, which is uh, it's 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 like a Shark Tank where there's all these amazing. Uh, financial gurus. I mean, from Steve Wozniak to the 43rd treasurer of the United States, uh, you know, just all these incredible people on this panel um, that uh, these companies come through. And these are companies that are just pre-IPO, right about to go public. And um, and they pitched us and see if we want to invest and the whole world gets to invest and all that. But what the one thing that I love about this and what I saw in every single company that came to us and it didn't matter if it was a UV light thing or an athletic machine, whatever it was, everything started with the social impact and the environmental impact mm. of their business. And that is something that has that's that's changed in the last 10 years. Now businesses, especially new businesses, you have to have that element in your in your in your business mm-hmm. or no one's gonna fund you anymore, which is great because look, yeah. this world runs on money, you know. So uh, you know, that, that's, what's going to really change as well. Corporations, you know, if they think they're going to lose money here, they're going to make sure that things change for the better. Yeah. I think it, that awareness is really great. And it's nice to see, you know, it's one thing individually, us all trying to make a difference, but when you start to see the biggest corporations in the world and all these new, uh, startups taking that same action, it's, yeah. it gives me hope as well. well. It just goes to show that it does make a difference as consumers. It makes a difference mm-hmm. what businesses we support. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's true. And even, even with, I don't know if you know anything about the NFT world, but you know, NFTs are the, the new thing. And if you, if you don't know about this, learn about it right now, because this is, it's in that crypto world, which is the future. Get on board now, people, because you're going to be left behind. But NFTs is basically uh, digital art. It's the new, it's, it's trading art online and it is blowing up. Hmm. People are making so much money on, on all these little art NFTs. Um, but that also 
um, hurts the planet. You know, mining these NFTs is a big mm. thing, and uh, and mining cryptocurrency is you know a problem. So with my NFTs that I'm bringing out, you know, this year, we make sure that we are completely carbon neutral in every everything that we develop. And I'm, I'm noticing that a lot in this NFT world because it is younger generation and they're doing the right thing now and, and trying to make everything as carbon neutral, even even with things in the crypto where like mo- the, the average person would never know that you're hurting the planet by building a digital art online on a computer. How does like how does that affect the planet? But uh, mm-hmm. you know, the energy used and all that, I mean it's 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 a big deal. So um I mean I will start to do some research on this. That's very interesting. I don't know, Get on I don't board. know much about it. Yeah. Well, I I'll, think help, Emma... I'll help you release your NFT because it's oh. it's so fun. It's so fun. Yeah. You're our NFT agent manager. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> You're well, yeah, Emma... NFTG or NFT guru. <laughs> Emma um, posted on social media just recently um, showing how much, uh, like a video call, a zoom call, like how much energy that, that takes up. And if you just like turn off your video, like it makes such yeah. a huge difference. And I thought, yes, perfect. Now you don't have to wear any clothes at all. <laughs> yes. Or, right. I mean, I, I don't wear clothes anyway. I'm not wearing pants right now anyway, but anyway, so, but I think it is interesting. There are little things. I think if people saw more stats as to how the everyday things that they do can affect the planet, I think that would give people a better gauge of how to understand they need to balance. Cause obviously we need to live. There are certain things we have to do. You know, people have to commute to work, whatever it might be or eventually we'll get back to commuting to work. But it's it's understanding a little better of how you can make those small steps to make a difference. Uh, I did want to check uh, Unicorn Hunters. So where will that be airing and when does that air? Uh, good question. Um, I know unicornhunters.com will be where you can watch all the episodes because it's cool. it's actually a worldwide show. So the whole world comes together to watch these. And it's the first time because um, it's, it's all about crowdfunding now. And it, just recently the laws have changed where you can promote pre-IPOs uh, to investors. Um, so this is the first time that the world is actually going to be able to be privy to these pre-IPO companies before they mm. go public. Um, cool. And we want to be the ones to present it to them so that they can, you know, they can be on, you know, the same playing field as the big investors out there. Yeah, that's, that's huge. Great. What are some ways that you think people can make small changes? What are some exact ex- specific examples of what people can do to make small changes that will turn into big impact? Yeah. Um, the biggest impact I think that you can do, especially if you're trying to create a habit, because it, it takes a while to create a habit. I mean, it took me forever to learn how to turn my sink off when I'm brushing my teeth. Like just saving the water like that is, you know, it, it adds up. Uh, but I think the single use plastic is what is an easy one to get into an entryway into being green. Um, just not using the plastics, using the reusable bottles. Um, there's so many ways of getting around it now and it's made easy for you. Um, so I want to get to the point, uh, where you're embarrassed to be seen with a water bottle in your hand because you know, like, mm-hmm. Oh, this is, mm-hmm. this is so bad for the planet and I should know better. Um, but you know, it's a habit you have to get into and you can't be embarrassed when you fall back into old habits. It's just, you just got to redo it. Um, no one's perfect and uh, you just have to do what you can do. And can you also talk about the importance of each of us using our platforms uh, mm-hmm. to spread good news and and advice to help one another and how Emma helps with this as well? Yeah. I mean, it is so important to share the stories of the environment. And that's what we do here at Emma. Um, it's all about just talking about it and, and talking about it. You educate people and that's talking to your parents, talking to your grandparents, your kids. Um, it is so important to use that platform, um, to do good and, and not always, yes, we need to be, um, honest about the impacts of, of climate change right now, but we also need to show hope, um, and positivity and how things are changing. And if we get excited about the new and green innovation, um, I think that is way better than scaring the crap out of someone saying, well, the planet's ending in five years. So kiss your children goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I agree. It's, there's a a huge, a different story between trying to scare people into something or Mm -hmm. trying to encourage people to get passionate about it and spread the word about something. And Mm -hmm. that's sort of the Jane Goodall approach too, is not to create a, a wall between you and whoever has an opposing opinion to try and create a conversation that will, um, help educate them. So yeah. let's do this. All three of us here. What is something in the past week or month that you've seen? It could be a person, an event, it could be something. What is something that gave you a nice smile to say, great, it's nice to see someone do that for the planet? Mm-hmm. What's a little something that popped up? 
Mm, let's see. Well, like I was saying before, um, you know, with Unicorn Hunters, we got you know some really great pitches to us that were all about green. I can't really explain what the company is yet because I'm under NDA, but the innovation that is happening right now in the business space and entrepreneurship space is so encouraging. And just wait, and you know, one to two years, you're going to start seeing these crazy, amazing things happening uh, in this green space. And mainly because we have an administration that is supporting this, you know, for, mm-hmm. for four years, we weren't even able to move the needle at all. Uh, and now I feel that we have great support from Washington, D.C. Um, and, uh, and now I think we can, all these ideas we've had the last few years, I think we can actually start to implement them. Yeah, That's I'm cool. so pumped to see this. Mm-hmm. I'm very pumped to see um, this. What's something I saw in the last week? I think just um, hanging with our nieces and nephew, it's so cool to see the things that they're learning in school. Um, mm-hmm. They're learning about reducing food waste um, and reusing rather than just tossing it out and getting new. Mm-hmm. I think it's amazing to hear from like five and eight year olds. Yeah. That's very hopeful. I actually oh, saw great. mine is a it's a kid too um, that on social media he recycles Ryan recycles uh, and he's his campaign ever since I think he was like four years old is um, getting rid of single use plastics and then also recycling you know he'll go to the beach and he'll pull he it, so I saw a photo uh, on his social media and it's a photo of him standing in front of a pile that is like a mountain of plastic and it, it was him who collected it oh from gosh. the beach and had volunteers helping him. So it's pretty cool when you have a little kid that's, he's maybe six or seven years old now that mm-hmm. they can inspire that kind of change. So I know. And I'm definitely looking for all that innovation to help clean our oceans because our oceans are really bad off right now and they're only getting worse. So, uh, we definitely need to figure out just the plastic alone uh, needs to be figured out. And I've seen some great innovation, you know, the machines that are starting mm-hmm. to collect, you know, the big piles, um, it's, it's amazing and it's only going to get better. And you know, this, anybody who's listening, if you get a chance to check out our conversation with Ashlyn and Philippe Cousteau about our oceans, um, it's really inspiring to hear about, uh, some of the tips that they give and then also, uh, about the change that's happening because it does give you hope. It doesn't, it's not doom and gloom. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm excited about, and also how everything supports everything. The ocean supports the land, which supports us, and it's a big cyclical. Oh, can I? Yes, yeah. yes, it's Mother Nature. Mother Nature. Mm-hmm. So speed round. Mm-hmm. We want to fire some questions at you, and you have no time to prep for this. Are you ready? All right, I'm ready. All right, all right. What meal makes you feel at home, and who cooked it? French toast by my granny. Mm. Oh, nice. Yeah. Favorite cocktail. An espresso martini. Ooh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Tell, oh, us, yeah. uh, tell us about the artwork behind you. Uh, which, oh yeah, this is all my all my husband's. <laughs> but, I mean, so really? I so the one we see is the black and white one with the peace sign. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's that's his. I mean, all this is his. Uh, I basically live in an art studio. Uh, my dining room, kitchen is uh, just constantly. Uh, an art studio. And it's actually clean today. There's usually glitter everywhere because now he's getting into a glitter thing. Look at this. <laughs> so, oh my um, so yeah, the, uh, we have a very glitter house right now. It's everywhere. Like I feel like uh, glitter is the herpes of the art world. Oh my gosh. Hilarious. <laughs> we said the exact same thing. We, we, we tell our family, listen, we love you all. We love homemade cards. If you want to send it, don't need to go to the store to buy one. Mm-hmm. Don't send us a glitter card. And we only got <laughs> yeah. one of our family members sent us a glitter card last year. Mm-hmm. All right. Next speed round question. Who makes you feel at home and how? Um, well, my husband, of course. Um, you know, I this pandemic has really taught me that I love being home and I love you know, being with my family, my dogs. Um, so the most home I feel is just being home on the couch in my nice pajamas with two dogs on me watching my favorite TV show. That is perfection for me. That's blissful. What song do people always think is yours, but it's not? Oh, oh good question. Uh, yeah, I, the only one that I've gotten is uh, I Want It That Way, The Backstreet Boys. Um, right. which I wish we sang that song because that's an incredible song. Um, <laughs> How does but, it go? Uh, I've never heard of it. Yeah, you know. Uh, huh? I thought it that way. Um, yeah, that was, you know, it was such a great song, but because it was such a big song and I think it was Burger King's theme song for a bit. Um, oh, right. Everyone just mm. kind of puts us together a lot. It's weird because 
I always, they, people know my name. They'll be like, oh, Lance Bass, but from the Backstreet Boys. I'm like, how do you yeah. know my name, but don't know the <laughs> yeah. group? That's, no, that, that's okay. a good thing. That's a good thing for you in the sense <laughs> um, that people, because a lot of times people remember a group name, but not the individual artist. So it really says yeah. something about you that they remember. I, by the mm-hmm. way, I, I did a, a acoustic cover of that song and I, I was talking to Howie and I asked him, I can't remember which of your songs, but I asked him, he said, there's one in sync song that, that people think Backstreet Boys did all the time. I oh, can't yeah. think of what it was. Anyway. Well, uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, probably I Want You Back. Yeah. Because yeah, that was like our oh. first one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. What's your perfect Sunday morning at home? Ooh, Sunday morning at home. Um, I, I'm a big outdoorsy person, so I love going on hikes um, with my dogs. And I'm, I, in my neighborhood, we have a, a beautiful park with hiking trails. So uh, mm-hmm. you'll find me on those a lot uh, with my dogs. Um, and it's just kind of my, my rest day and catch up day. Um, yeah. it, you know, I get to call the family, you know, FaceTime, uh, check in with the grandparents. Um, it just really kind of resets my week. Mm. Nice. Last question. Name three things on your bedside table. Oh my gosh. Um, a pet corrector because my dogs still don't know how to pee outside. So it's that little spray thing that catches them in the act. Like, is <laughs> just it just go, water? <laughs> it's just it's just air it's just air and it just but it makes a noise and it scares the crap out of them so like i have those pretty much in every corner of the house um, um i'm actually reading an incredible book right now uh, uh i can't pronounce his last name it's alice kurtoshner some russian last name he's actually one of the unicorn hunters and uh his story is so fascinating like i sat next to him this whole entire series and i didn't really know his backstory but he he owned the, uh, uh, when he was 23 years old, uh, he owned the biggest bank in Russia. Uh, oh it was the first one to be able to internationally do banking with other countries uh, that uh, Boris Yeltsin gave him. Wow. Uh, wow. But that really turned south when Putin kidnapped him and took him to Siberia to die. And so he hadn't what? been able to come back. But he, what? it's just incredible how he built his business. He lost everything. Built another business, lost everything. Built another one. FBI is on him, like everything. He's gone through a crazy. It it is a movie. Reading this book is a movie, which I think I need to turn it into a movie because it is so good. What's the book called? Uh, Gosh, uh, it is called. uh, I'll I'll think of it. I'll I'll tell you at the end. All right. Sure. I'll go get it real quick. Yeah. And wait, the third thing. I have. Oh, I do have a big um, uh, Himalayan salt rock there. Um, just to lick like <laughs> no i mean apparently they say if you put it you know and i have a crystal with it you know so they're like if you have a crystal or this himalayan you know salt uh you know rock next to your bed it's supposed to do something i don't know i just i might as well do it i'm, I'm a sucker for any of that kind of stuff they're like well, oh this reminds but- you that you rock there you go yeah. <laughs> i'll go with that i will go with that <laughs> Well, we appreciate you taking some time to to chat with us and also inspiring everyone listening as well to make those little changes and keep hope for what we can all do for the planet. Yeah, we are very inspired by your work with Emma and just how you exemplify it in your everyday life. And I am thinking I could do that with my hair, what you're doing there. So I'm I think gonna, I'm thinking maybe like a pink would be great on you. You know, I think this is HGTV. I'll check in with them and say this is the new Property Brother look. It's good. I'm in. I'm all about change. But thank y'all so much for all that you're doing too because y'all have been so vital for Emma and uh, you're great storytellers um, and y'all have the responsibility of doing it. And and it's great that uh, you've really jumped into it and, and, and do incredible work. Yeah. It's easy for us when we have a lot of great people like you around exactly. us to help inspire us. So. Well, I was just going to say, if it weren't for you, we wouldn't be part of Emma. So yeah. thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, that's it's, right. a, it's a great community. It's what it's all about. And a huge thank you to our homies, Brandon Angelino, Annalie Bell, Hannah Fan, Courtney Iwanis, West Friend, Chris Cobain, Jessica Bryant Harvey, and Nicole Schachter. Our theme music for At Home is by Victoria Shaw and Chad Carlson. And music is composed and produced by Rick Russo. Thank you so much for listening. And if you do enjoy our podcast, be sure to subscribe and rate us. Always rate us. We love you rating and commenting. Yeah, we actually like your feedback. And to you. Thank you. Thank you. Love you. Love you.